general, uh, when you have interest rates going up and inflation at high levels, usually this is the kind of things that will uh, push people to spend less. But then I think on the other hand, what we have is the dynamics of going out of COVID and the fact that people have all these uh, missed experiences and things that they want to do. Welcome to The Ripple Effect the podcast that takes you on a journey through the minds of Wharton faculty. I'm your host, Dan Loney, and in each episode, we'll be diving deep into the inspiration behind the groundbreaking research that Wharton professors have conducted and exploring how their findings resonate with the world today. So get ready to dive into new ideas with The Ripple Effect. As the pandemic gets further into our rearview mirror, which side are you on? Spending freely, embracing the now, or carefully stashing away, wary of looming economic uncertainties? Whichever camp you're in, this conversation with Itai Goldstein dives deep into the delicate interplay between our spending habits and the evolving world around us. Well, certainly consumers have been spending big over the last three years. The financial assistance from the government during the time of COVID, combined with other factors like no student loan payments, have allowed people to buy things, spend money fixing up their home, or take a vacation. But now we have higher inflation for the first time in several decades, and that could lead to a change in spending patterns. So what will this mean for the economy? Itai Goldstein is a professor of finance here at the Wharton School. Itai, great to talk to you again. Great talking to you. Thank you. So obviously this has been a unique time over the last three years with how people have spent. You were saying to me before we started this that maybe even still today there's an element of the COVID spending that still is is impacting what's going on. I think so, yes. I, I think uh, w- when you go back to think about COVID, it was a period of time where people could not spend. Uh, they could not do things that they like to do. They could not take vacations. Uh, they could not eat in restaurants. Uh, and it's been, you know, a good two years or more that people felt constrained on all these things. I think once uh, we passed uh, COVID and people think like uh, they see that they can go out again, they can uh, go back to living their lives, uh, there is a little bit of a change in the psychology of spending. So, you know, uh, one thing to uh, think about is there are all these missed uh, experiences. So for a while you didn't uh, go on vacation and then you go back and you check and there are all these places you wanted to see, you haven't had a chance to do it yet. And now you feel like this is the time to, to do it. Um, but, but I think even beyond that, something has changed because people realized, you know, I should probably spend and consume and uh, have a good time today because who knows what's going to happen uh, down the road. Uh, and I think those two things have changed uh, during uh, COVID and the aftermath of COVID and led people to uh, think a little differently when they decide how much they want to spend. Um, You know, I I would add to this maybe a little uh, speculatively something else that uh, is happening now uh, big time, and and this is climate change. And, you know, there is climate change itself, but there is also the awareness of it. Uh, And if you go back to think about all the news we saw over the summer uh, about unprecedented weather and things are changing quickly and more quickly than we thought and all this. And I think people start having this in mind, you know, who knows what's going to happen? Let, let's just do it uh, as quickly as, as we can because th- things around us are changing and maybe things that we are doing today we will not be able to do 
couple of years from now, or maybe things will change and uh, we will just not have the same opportunities. Let's touch on the on the economic side of this, because obviously we've seen a run of inflation, uh, unprecedented that we haven't seen in such a long period of time. So then I guess with all of that money kind of awash in the in people's pockets, it's probably not a surprise to see them even spending when you've got that level of inflation in the economy, because as you said, we were we were blocked out of a lot of this for such a you know such a period of time. Yes, I, I will say this is true. I mean, you know, as, as you point out, in in general, uh, when you have interest rates going up and inflation at high levels, uh, usually this is the kind of things that will uh, push people to spend less. Uh, but then I think on the other hand, what we have is the dynamics of going out of COVID and the fact that uh, people have all these uh, missed experiences and things that they want to do. Uh, and, you know, this was certainly very strong in the first year after COVID, but I think it still has an effect. Um, and then uh, the, the psychology that has changed, the fact that people now say, uh, you know, who knows when I will be able to do it again. So I should probably just do it now. So I, so I think this is kind of a counter effect to the inflation and the interest rate and pushing people to spend more despite of uh, these traditional economic forces. How much of it is potentially kind of a tale of two stories here with the people that have and the people that have not and how each grouping of people are reacting to the higher interest rates in where they can spend, what they can spend on, and kind of the reassessment of uh, of the idea of a budget. And, you know, maybe that idea of a budget had gone away for a while as well. Yeah, I think this is uh, definitely true. I mean, we always have a story of inequality. Um, and uh, some people have money to spend and they're spending more. Other people don't have and they're spending less. And in some sense, over time, we do unfortunately see these gaps uh, going. So I, I do think we see some of it now. I mean, certainly uh, the fact that interest rates are high uh, is affecting some people much more adversely than than others. Uh, and I expect that we are going to continue seeing that uh, going forward. And, and it is important to note, you know, I mean, we are sitting here and talking about the fact that people are generally spending uh, a lot. Um, I don't think this is unbounded. I do think there is some boundary to it. And at some point, uh, we will see that it is uh, starting to to reverse. Uh, and in fact, it is important to know that we already see some of the signs of uh, reversal or slowing down showing up in recent data. It's not that when you look at the data, uh, this is unambiguously strong and, and going in just one direction. So it, it is a bit of a mix. Uh, I, I would say in general, uh, what you see is a level of spending that is above experts' expectations given the economic uh, conditions. Um, but as you point out, uh, there are some people who spend more, some people who don't. And I also think that when you look at the aggregate, you know, it's it's a bit of a mix. It's it's not like it is an ambiguous uh, increase. If there is a slowing of the economy and there are suggestions that we're seeing that a little bit right now, how much do we potentially slow down? How much impact is there potentially, or is that still kind of a wait and see? <laughs> uh, I think this is still a, a wait and see. I mean, uh, you know, this is in some sense really the, the big uh, question that is on everyone's uh, mind. Um, you know, if you think a little bit about the economic uh, developments of recent years, uh, we've seen a period of high inflation, 
then the Fed is coming in and starting to increase rates uh, really fast and really substantially, uh, much more, I think, than uh, was uh, originally uh, planned. Uh, and the expectation was that uh, this is going to slow down the economy, potentially bring a recession, uh, but at least it will help us uh, fight inflation. We haven't seen the recession coming in uh, yet, uh, so uh, that's that's the good news. Um, but uh, the the bad news in that is that we also did not see inflation fully under control. I mean, it is true that inflation did not continue to go up. If you're thinking about the rate of increase in prices, it has slowed down. So from a level, uh, from a rate of nine percent or so, we are now down to four. So th- this is uh, this is okay, but but four is still uh, pretty high and and higher than uh, policymakers are comfortable with. Um, so uh, we are still not out of the woods. Uh, so they are still, you know, uh, continuing to to try to slow down in inflation and bring it back towards the two. And as long as they are continuing to do that, uh, there is still the chance that there will be a significant slowdown in in the economy, and we might even see a, a recession. So there, there's the consumer side of this, but there's also uh, the business side of this and, and companies that are dealing with this and trying to, especially at this time of the year, make kind of an idea and a path as to what they should expect from consumers right now. How much of a challenge is it for companies, do you think, at this time of the year, especially retailers, who really in, in years past the story has been you make your money, you make your hay at the end of the year mm-hmm. to adjust to this dynamic when they assume that interest rates are going to stay higher for longer, and that's going to present a variety of other challenges for them. Yes, absolutely. I mean, all firms are now uh, thinking about these different scenarios, uh, what this is going to imply to their uh, revenues uh, and ultimately to, to the bottom line. Um, and, um, you know, I, I will say overall, uh, it's, it's ambiguous. Uh, some, uh, some will be more optimistic, some are less optimistic, and it's very hard to tell where, where it's going to go. I mean, overall, when I look at what happened in the last few months, um, I think the signs are overall fairly encouraging. And, uh, you know, we do see, as we discussed, spending still fairly strong. And I think there is a good case to believe that it's going to continue being strong uh, going into the holidays. So uh, the end of the year is going to be good for uh, for many firms in that respect. Um, but there are so many forces going on. Uh, and the fact that interest rates are still high and the fact that also the, the reserves that allowed people to spend more are dwindling to, to some extent. Um, at some point, there will be some inflection point, and we might see it starting uh, to go the other way. Is there an element of that spend then that you think is still actually out there in, in people's pockets at this point? I think so. Yes. I mean, you know, you you mentioned it's uh, those who have and those who have not, and and clearly that that's true. That that's there. Uh, so uh, certainly, uh, from the point of view of many uh, households. They don't have uh, the the money to to spend uh, or whatever they had, whatever they accumulated uh, during COVID is is gone. Uh, but we still have a significant uh, portion of the population uh, that has those significant reserves and can spend. And I think, as I mentioned in the beginning, I still think the psychology of COVID and the fact that they have a deficit of uh, 
spending in their mind. They wanted to do all these things and they didn't do them. Uh, combined with the fact that they still have money to do it, still pushes them to spend. And I think this is what we see in the in the data. What do you think has been the, the impact on the mindset of the Federal Reserve and the leaders in terms of making th- these rate increases that obviously they've they've made over the last year and a half, but also the path to go forward? I mean, it, it, the, the question now is whether or not, is there another rate increase that's needed or is it something that, you know, we're off the books, we can let it sit for a while and see how the economy reacts to it. So when you listen uh, to uh, the leaders of the Fed, um, you know, the people at the board, uh, the presidents of the regional Fed, um, they are basically watching it as we go and continuing to update almost on a daily basis, I, I would say. Um, I think uh, whenever I uh, listen to them and, and talk to, to people who, who work there, uh, there is a sense that uh, what we are seeing is not exactly what we expected and doesn't really go by the book according to recent experiences. Uh, so it's it's a bit of a, a novel uh, dynamics that, that we see here. But, you know, l- life continues to have novel elements, right? You you never see exactly what you've seen before. And I think this is what we see here. Um, so they, they are just watching the data continuously and, and trying to decide what to do. Um, as, as you know, there was a period of time where they, they paused the, the rate increase because they thought that uh, they've done enough uh, of it. And now they uh, want to see how it affects the economy and they don't want to overshoot because the risk of overshooting is that you're going to push the economy into a severe recession. Uh, so that has been the mindset recently, but there's certainly um, some uh, some other voices. Um, and and you know I, I think it really depends on how the data uh, evolves. How then should companies be thinking about? their quarterly expectations with all of these dynamics at play. I mean, they still obviously are looking for the the best profitability that they can find. But if we do see a, a relatively noticeable slowdown in what consumers think, then they have to reassess what their numbers are going to be over the next couple of quarters, don't they? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, the the CFOs uh, of, of the the companies, I, I think all companies are exactly the same position. Uh, they are updating as we speak and they are continuously watching the data and, and deciding what to do. I mean, in some sense, this is not uh, unusual because this is what they always do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not like you can think about a period of time where there is no uncertainty and we know exactly where we are going. There are always different factors pushing in different directions and uh, you always need to to update. Uh, but I think it will be fair to say that this is uh, a period with uh, increased uncertainty because of all these things that we discussed. So, you know, they, they have to continuously watch what the Fed is doing, um, what spending is, uh, and when you're thinking about spending, it's at the macro level, but also at the industry level and uh, the level of their own firm. Um, and, and they're making uh, predictions uh, based on that. What do you think then is the message to the public about what we're seeing play out right now? And obviously what we've seen with the Federal Reserve and how companies are reacting to all of this as we head towards the end of the year. And we think about 2024, which I think a lot of people hope is going to be a better year than we've seen this year. Yes. Um, 
a lot of people hope it's going to be a, a, a better year. Uh, I think that's uh, a, a fair statement. Uh, but we don't really know. Um, I, I think, uh, as, as we discussed, um, there, there are still those uh, headwinds uh, coming our way. Um, basically, the fact that interest rates are still high, inflation is still not completely uh, under control. Um, you know, people hope that there is a soft lending, um, but we haven't seen it yet. Um, and we might fall into alternative scenarios. Uh, you know, one, one scenario is the scenario of no lending at all, where inflation is still up, up there and, and is not fully un under control. Uh, another scenario is a scenario of a lending, but is not so soft. So we, we are going into a recession. So those are still out there as possibilities. Going into uh, 2024, I think there are reasons to be optimistic and hope for a soft lending, but it's certainly not guaranteed. Itai, great to talk to you again. Thank you very yeah, much. Very good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Itai Goldstein, professor of finance here at the Wharton School. Thank you for listening to The Ripple Effect. We hope you found this episode informative and engaging. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you the best insight from the Wharton School.